Uh, hi, church. Um, my name is Karina. Um, I was previously a student minister here, and now I have the privilege of being one of your mission partners. And um, we're about to read the Bible. Um, so if you want to grab your Bibles and start by opening them to chapter, uh, Mark, uh, chapter 8. So Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 to 38. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Uh, If you want to turn to John now, John um, chapter 12, our second Bible reading comes from John chapter 12, verses 20 to 33. Starting at verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for the judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. 
He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Karina. Hi there, everyone. My name's Dan Webster. I'm one of the, another one of your mission partners, another one of the 21, and I'm so thankful to be so and very thankful uh, to be here with you today uh, to share God's word with you. So Mission Sunday, um, we've been talking about sacrifice. Why? Well, as Ed has already said, mission doesn't happen without sacrifice. The church is not going to grow unless Christians are willing to give up good things for the sake of the gospel. We sang a little while ago, um, how great is our God? How great is our God? So why isn't the church growing more? Do you ever wonder that? I believe you're the king of the world, Jesus. How come things aren't growing more? I wonder if part of the answer to that question, at least part of the human answer, is this. The church isn't willing to sacrifice. Well, we're going to look at that idea from John chapter 12 mostly. So if you've got that open, please keep it open there. Um, And then we'll turn in the last few minutes to a double-edged promise uh, from Mark chapter 8. But I'm going to pray for us as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Father, we do want to thank you for your great goodness towards us. Uh, We want to thank you so much for the way that you have given yourself so that we might have life. Uh, We're so unworthy, Lord. Uh, We're unworthy to be your people, but you're so full of grace. You love your creation. And we thank you for your gift of life to us, and we pray, please, that you'd remind us of what we have in you, and that you'd remind us of the privilege of joining you in your mission. Uh, Give us a willingness to join you, even though that may mean sacrifice. So help us listen now, Lord, and help me speak faithfully, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 12, uh, Jesus has just uh, indicated that it's time for him to die. He said, It's time for the Son of Man. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And that's John's way of saying, it's time for Jesus to die. And then Jesus shares this little parable. I want you to look at it in verse 24, chapter 12, verse 24. There's this kind of two-line parable explaining, in some ways, his, his death. He says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Uh, in Namibia, where I serve, um, the staple food is not wheat. It's uh, mahangu, and uh, the seeds look a little bit like this. You probably can't see that, but there you go, a little seed. Um, and you know how this works. If this seed just kind of stays like this, nothing, nothing happens. But if you put it in the ground, what happens? It grows, a mahangu plant, and there's like hundreds of seeds on top. Jesus is saying that's the idea. If he just remains, he walks around Galilee, whatever it is, that's it. He's the son of God, full stop. But if he dies, if he goes to the cross, dies and rises again, then it becomes possible for you and I and anyone to become a child of God as well. Many, many seeds. We praise God, we thank God for this truth. How good is it? And yet, That's not what I want to talk about today, because it's very interesting what Jesus says next. All of a sudden, he goes from talking about 
about himself and this seed idea, and suddenly he's talking about us. He's applying this idea to us. Read with me, verse 25. He says, anyone, anyone who loves their life will lose it. And anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me. We must follow him. Where's he going? The cross, to die, like a seed, to produce more seeds. Follow me. We're called to follow. We're called to hate our lives. Uh, It doesn't mean we all should be suicidal and depressed. That's not what he's talking about. He means we should choose against those things of this world that are are all about us and us succeeding and us getting ahead, self-promotion, self-protection, self-glorification. We're to choose against that, choose against this world. It's another way of saying we should die like little seeds so that, God willing, other seeds might be produced. Because this is how mission works. This is how the church, the kingdom grows. As Christians, as God's people, are willing to sacrifice. As Ed said before, many of us came to Christ because another Christian made some kind of sacrifice. We're saved by Jesus' sacrifice. The gospel spreads as we sacrifice in the name of Jesus. You might have heard of the saying that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Famous saying, and it's been proved true time and time again. Uh, The first missionaries coming into Namibia, the country where I live and serve, um, they they sacrificed so many comforts. Um, Some of them even sacrificed their lives, and the church came to life. We, uh, the Websters in Namibia, um, uh, on the other hand, <laughs> we think of, we're, we're pretty soft, really, as missionaries. We, especially after watching Andrew, we're like, we're not real missionaries. Um, many of us imagine, many, sorry, many people we talk to imagine that we live in a mud hut with chickens and our own mahangu plants, right? No, I'm sorry to disappoint. Um, but there is this thing. This is probably the big thing for us. We don't love Namibia. I mean, we love the people, but we don't love it as a destination to live. I mean, we're faced with poverty every day, and it's hot, and it's difficult, and it's unfamiliar. Uh, It's hard to live there. And we're back in Sydney. We love it. It's beautiful, the beaches and the people, the familiarity. We're not faced with poverty every day. It's great. We love it. But when we're in Namibia, and and I think, oh, I want to go back. What, What about Sydney? You know, I don't even have a fixed contract with CMS that says I have to stay there. I could come back. We could come back. But when I think those thoughts, I have to say, no, we're sacrificing Sydney. We're going we're to sacrifice friends for our kids, stability, and all that Sydney is. We're going to put that to the side. Because we believe God wants us here in Namibia for the sake of the gospel seeing his church grow. I wonder what you've got to sacrifice. Because I hope you realize that I'm not a frontline missionary. You are. 
You see, I'm in Namibia equipping and helping local missionaries go and do their thing, and it's you guys who spend your time with unbelievers every day. So let me say, those people aren't going to come to Christ unless you or someone else makes a sacrifice. Are you willing? What are you going to have to sacrifice? Maybe like my family, you're going to have to go. Or maybe it's precisely the opposite. Uh, Liv and I have been really encouraged meeting a few families who've said, you know what, here, I mean, meeting a few families here who said, we could move to, a, to the suburbs to a big house, but we've decided to sacrifice that and stay in a smaller house long term because we're seeing gospel growth. Maybe you've got a risk reputation or friendship. Maybe you won't sacrifice them, but you've got to risk sacrificing them. I'm scared of that. I'm scared of losing a friendship, so often I lose evangelism. Um, This is a bit sharper for you than me. When I'm in Namibia speaking about Jesus, no one's going to accuse me of hate speech. They might accuse you. So are you willing? Because if you're not willing to take the risk, you're not going to speak. I was really encouraged uh, two weeks ago uh, in church. Alison Wally shared uh, a story. I hope I uh, repeat it correctly. She was saying she wanted to invite a couple of friends to the Alpha course, but she started to think, oh, that's awkward, it's going to be weird, and maybe I'll lose the friendship. But then she thought, you know what? Jesus sacrificed everything for me. Can't I make a small risk so that they may be saved? That's it. That's the one. We've got to take a risk. We've got to be willing to sacrifice. Maybe it's your time. Get involved in that ministry. Spend time on your knees in prayer. Maybe it's the money. Definitely it's comfort. Definitely you'll need to sacrifice comfort because the gospel doesn't go forward. Mission doesn't happen without sacrifice. I've got a little practical idea that I took from Karina um, that she shared at the... the, um, Uh, the central prayer meeting on Wednesday, she just talked about taking another step, take the next step. I think that's really helpful. Uh, Kind of boils it down a bit. I want to say next time you're feeling the pinch of mission, next time you're feeling like, oosh, that would be a sacrifice, take another step. Just take one more step into the awkwardness, into the loss, into the sacrifice. Just take one more step. Are you willing to do that? Uh, It's kind of hard to do this on on a video. It's much easier face-to-face. But I actually want you to to stop and to actually ask yourself the question, am I willing? Can you actually pause and talk to your Heavenly Father and say, Lord, the next time I find myself in that situation where I'm feeling the pinch, I'm feeling the sacrifice, I'm committing I, now, Lord, I want to take the next step. Will you do that? Some of you might be thinking, no, I don't want to do that. Hello, it's Mission Sunday. We bring in the missionaries and they whip us, telling us to sacrifice. This is not nice. Um, well, I, I want to say to you that this call to sacrifice is actually an invitation 
to life. That's what it is. I hope you don't hear it as an oppressive command, but an invitation to life. And this is where I want to turn to Mark chapter 8. If you've got a Bible, turn it to Mark chapter 8. You're going to spend time in connect groups this week looking in more detail at this chapter. So I just want to look at one or two quick things. Start in chapter 8, verse 34. Because some of you are thinking to yourself, well, sacrifice is all good and well for those missionary types, those keen Christian evangelists, but not me. Look with me. Look at verse 34. Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple. Is that you? Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, that's called sacrifice, and take up their cross, that's called dying to yourself, and follow me. So we're all in this, right? We're all in this. Verse 35, this is the double-edged promise, verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will lose save it. This is this crazy paradox. If you want to save your life, if you take that route of um, self-protection, self-aggrandizement, self-service, what's going to happen to your life? You'll lose it. You try to self-protect, you're going to fail. It's a promise. And you'll fail forever and ever and ever. What's the only way to save your life? It's to lose it for Jesus and for the gospel. And if you do, you will save your life forever and ever and ever in glory. And you will never look back and think, oh, that was a big sacrifice. Oh, I really lost out. No. You'll agree with what Andrew Browning said. It wasn't a sacrifice at all. Friends, when we sacrifice in this life, we sacrifice in hope. Our sacrifice is undergirded by a glorious hope. But I want to add something else here, one last part of this, because I actually think this promise is true, not just for after I die. I think it's true today. Whoever seeks to save their life in this world will lose it now. You spend your life just trying to protect yourself and gather to yourself and succeed yourself and self-promote and all those things, self, 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 you're not living. You're not really living life. If you cannot sacrifice something, that thing controls you. It's your master. You're its slave. That's not living. Plenty of Australians live for this world. They seek to save their life in this world and they're not happy. They're not joyful. They're slaves. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I think that even means now. You heard the way Andrew spoke about the joy he has in, in sacrificing his life to serve others. I agree. The small sacrifices we've made that are really nothing are paid, repaid a hundredfold in the faces of people who come to know Jesus better and are delighted in him. It's such a joy for us. So I hope you see that the call to sacrifice is not an oppressive command, 
It's an invitation to come and live. Come and live. As, our, as we returned uh, to Australia, we came via Brisbane to see some family. And uh, as I was going up the escalator, um, I heard this voiceover. He said something like this. Um, Please keep your hand on the safety rail. We are here to keep you safe. And, and that last word, safe, it just hit me like a brick. Like, I remember that word from Sydney. That, that, they always say that word, safe, 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 safe. It's not really a thing in Namibia. We're not really into the whole safety thing. Um, but I want to say we need to be careful. It's all good and well to have a duty of care and try to keep people safe. That's fine. But if we think as Christians that it's all about safety and we make personal safety the, like, the greatest goal, goodbye church growth, goodbye mission. Why, why is the church growing so slowly? Maybe not the bridge church, but most churches are growing so slowly. Why? Might it be because we think Jesus called us to safety when actually he called us to sacrifice, which paradoxically is the only way to safety? Because, friends, this is how Mission happens as Christians. Give up on good things of this world. Put them to the side as we sacrifice for the sake of others. In the power of the Spirit. In hope. I've got this little seed again. Um, you can't see it from there. I'll tell you, it looks pretty ordinary. It looks strangely like a popcorn seed, actually, but, you know, just pretend it's a mahangu seed. Um, it looks very ordinary, but this little guy is packed with potential. It can multiply itself like a hundred times, no problems. Just one thing needs to happen. Um, he needs to die. He needs to die. I can't see most of you. I can only see a few people here. Um, love you guys, but, but you do look... Pretty ordinary. Like, I look more ordinary, I know, but, um, but you know what? You, you, me, we are packed with potential. Through God's word, by his spirit, we can multiply ourselves hundreds of times. But one thing's got to happen. One thing needs to happen to activate, to, to release that potential. You know what it is. Are you willing? Are you willing to take another step? In your context today, what, what do you need to sacrifice in order to step into your place in God's mission to reach others? It's hard. It's very... Um, unworldly to do this. We need God's help. So let's turn to him now and pray. Father, we rejoice once more for the way you have sacrificed for us. We can't believe that you would give yourself for people like us, but we are so grateful. We thank you. 
Father, we pray that you would strengthen us by your life-giving spirit to live lives of sacrifice, always alive, always living, resurrection, glory, always giving ourselves, always giving, so that you might be known, Lord Jesus. Please work in each one of us, Lord. Convict us where we need to be sacrificing. Help us, Lord, in that moment where we feel the pinch. Help each of us, Lord, to take another step. And we pray this, Lord, for your glory and for the sake of those we might reach. We pray you'd have mercy on them and you'd work through us and this church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.